chapter five of the commentary by voltaire on an essay on crimes and punishments by cesare beccaria translated by edward duncan in graham this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by caroline chapter five of blasphemy and profanation louis the ninth king of france who for his virtue was numbered among the saints made a law against blasphemers he condemned them to a new species of punishment that of having the tongue pierced with a red-hot iron this was a kind of lex talionis the member that had sinned suffered the whole punishment but it was very difficult to determine what was really blasphemy in the transport of rage in the excitement of joy even in common conversation expressions often escape from a man which strictly speaking are merely expletives such as the selah and the va of the hebrews the pol and the edipol of the latins and the per deus immortales an expression made use of every moment without the least intention of swearing by the immortal gods the words called oaths and blasphemy usually consist of vague terms which may be variously interpreted the law punishing those making use of them seems to have been taken from the jewish commandment which says thou shalt not take the name of god in vain the best interpreters think that this law has relation only to perjury and there is great reason to believe they are right as the word shave in the original which is translated in vain strictly speaking signifies perjury now who can discover perjury in the words cadedis sang bleu ventre bleu corps bleu the jews swore by the life of god as the lord liveth it was a common phrase so that the only thing forbidden was lying at the time that god was called upon to witness the truth of what the party said philip augustus in eleven eighty one condemned such of the nobility of his kingdom as should pronounce the words te bleu ventre bleu corps bleu sang bleu to pay a fine and ordered commoners to be drowned the first part of this ordinance seems puerile the second was abominable it was an outrage of human nature to drown a commoner for the fault which a nobleman expiated by paying a few pence of the money of those times the natural consequence was that this extraordinary law remained unexecuted as indeed did many other laws particularly during the time that the king was under a sentence of excommunication and his kingdom laid under an interdict by pope celestine the third st louis inflamed with holy zeal gave orders that whosoever should pronounce the indecent words we have mentioned 
should have either his tongue bored or his upper lip cut off but a respectable citizen of paris having lost his tongue in consequence of the punishment complained to pope innocent the fourth who represented with decision to the king that the punishment was too severe for the crime the king for the future desisted from this severity happy had it been for mankind if the popes had never affected any other superiority over kings the ordinance of louis the fourteenth of the year sixteen sixty six directs that whosoever shall be convicted of having sworn by and blasphemed the holy name of god of his most holy mother or of his saints shall for the first offence pay a fine for the second third and fourth offence a double triple and quadruple fine for the fifth offence be put in the stocks for the sixth shall stand in the pillory and have the upper lip cut off and for the seventh offence have the tongue entirely cut out this law appears to be wise and humane it inflicts a severe punishment on a sevenfold repetition of the crime a thing scarcely to be anticipated with regard to those more daring profanations designated by the term of sacrilege our compilations of criminal jurisprudence where decisions are reported which however we are not to consider as laws make mention only of the crime of church robbery and there is no positive law on this subject condemning the criminal to the flames the laws also are silent on the subject of public impiety either because such folly was not anticipated or that there exists great difficulty in specifying the acts necessary to constitute the offence the crime is therefore left as far as regards punishment to the discretion of the judges justice however should not leave any offence undefined or its punishment arbitrary in cases that occur so rarely what it may be asked is the proper course for a judge to pursue he ought to consider the age of the offender the nature of his offence the degree of evil disposition and obstinacy manifested the public scandal to which it may have given rise and particularly whether or no there exists a necessity for a terrible public example pro qualitate personae proque rei conditione et temporis et atatis et sexus vel severius vel clementius statuendem and if the law does not expressly provide the punishment of death for the crime what judge can dream himself bound to authorize its infliction if there must be a punishment if the law is silent a judge should without hesitation award the mildest punishment in his power because he himself is a man sacrilegious profanations are never committed except by young and dissipated men 
would you punish them for this crime as severely as if they had committed murder on a brother their youth itself pleads in their favour they cannot even dispose of their property because they are supposed to want the maturity of judgment necessary to anticipate the probable consequence of an imprudent transaction it is therefore reasonable to suppose that they cannot properly estimate the results of an impious sally would you treat a dissolute young man who in a frolic had profaned not stolen a sacred image with the severity that you treated a brinvilliers who poisoned her father and all his family there is no existing law that condemns the unhappy wretch you create one in order to subject him to the severest punishment he deserves an exemplary chastisement but does he merit tortures at the thought of which nature shudders in addition to a violent death but he has sinned against god true he has most grievously deal with him then as god would deal if penitent god forgives him cause him therefore bitterly to repent but at the same time forgive him also your own illustrious montesquieu has said our duty is to reverence god not to avenge him let us consider well his words they do not mean that we are to neglect the maintenance of public decorum but as the judicious author of the essay on crimes and punishment observes they demonstrate the absurdity of the attempts of an insect to avenge the insulted majesty of the arbitrator of the universe neither the magistrate of a pity village nor the judge of an imperial city is a moses or a joshua End of chapter five